Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul. Joining me, as always, are my assistant ADs of business development, Andrew Stevens and Brian Scott Rippey. Fellas, it is Monday afternoon. It is Labor Day. How are we feeling? Uh, Georgia should be putting on an unimpressive, uninspiring performance against Virginia right now. But instead, I just received a text message that says, I think the grift move is to go all in and start a cult, zero backtracking and full investment, which I guess leads me to my first question of if there was a college football, ba- if there's one college football figure that you could have lead your cult, who would it be? I know my answer, but I'm, I'm interested to, to hear what y'all have to say. Well, if, uh, I think the top three in some order are Orgeron, Spurrier and Lou Holtz. I'm going to go with someone that has experience leading Colts, and I'm going to go with Hugh Freeze. <laughs> the, see, the problem is that the, the Lou Holtz one seems like he seems like a cult leader that's like he's not even into the cult as much as like a lot of the members are. And like, like he, yeah. he ends up just uh, giving up the grift like three weeks in, and then he has a mutiny on his hands. I feel like someone like Ogeron or Spurrier, like – could actually command the respect to get that. I, I don't really know what the end goal of cults are, but I definitely think that you need like a headstrong personality to like yeah. make some headway. Yeah. Like a, a guy who he just wanted to start a club and it just kind of like, you know, got too big for him. Yeah. Think- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it has to, it, it can't be forced. Like you have to have an organic following. Yeah. He just wanted to get some beers on the weekend with the boys and it turned into, you know, Jones. I was about to say what what started as dudes rocking ended up with a bunch of people with plastic bags on their head. Uh, I'm playing the problematic one right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's I mean I guess Holtz would be most likely if he like got the cyanide or whatever and asked him to drink and everyone said no, he'd probably call this generation soft. <laughs> well, that, he looked kind of soft when he got the fucking presidential medal of freedom or whatever this past weekend. Yeah, Lou Holtz, a man that has left. Hold up, I just had the Wikipedia article up on him. Uh, Lou Holtz, a man that has left 
one, two, three, four, five different schools on probation <laughs> upon departure. That, uh, winner of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The social media has gotten so out of control that when I saw that earlier this week, I thought it was some sort of like joke I wasn't catching. So I spent 15 minutes like, what's the inside angle here on Lou Holtz Presidential Medal of Freedom? But then I realized it just it actually happened. It was it was real. It was real. <laughs> some line or some joke that I wasn't picking up on it. I actually got pretty frustrated trying to find out. Yeah, there. I feel like there are a couple of those things that are, that are where it's like I I have to like I'm clearly not smart enough to understand everything that's going on. So I have to just be missing something. Like it it can't just be fucking disgraced college football host and like weird uh, weird. Alzheimer's late night doctor Lou Holtz receiving a presidential medal of freedom. But turns out uh, we live in the end times. And so that's kind of what it is. The, the biggest compliment I can give to Lou Holtz is that he made Mark May seem rational. I would watch college football final and be like, you know, I like Mark May a lot. He makes a lot of good points. I was very wrong, like completely wrong. But, you know, Lou Holtz is just, now, at some point, he just stopped trying to make sense uh, about like the last South Carolina year, and you know since then he's just been you know a walking cliche. I mean, yeah. how how old is he? Like he was like to me, and like I don't even mean this as much as insult, but the man's like eighty three. What he start television at like seventy? Like you think you just start naturally losing it a little bit? Yeah, no, yeah, he he was seventy, I think, his first year at ESPN after he like fully retired. Yeah, there. I'm trying nuts. to find something right. I'm trying to find something right now, but it was. I, I'm gonna mess it up, but it, it was some tweet a while back that essentially said it was like, I really like college football final was a fundamental part of my childhood. Like it was like we we had Mark May, we had Reese Davis in a robe. Uh, Lou Holtz decided to play doctor every once in a while, like just an absolutely chaotic scene every single every single week at 11 p.m. Yeah, and that's why my mental health is so good right now. Absolutely <laughs> rock solid. <laughs> That's actually a really interesting point y'all bring up, though, is like that was a very like staple of my childhood, too. Right at the end of the day, particularly after all the games, you're watching it and like no one can really explain why. But that became like a pretty good, pretty iconic show with good chemistry, though. It's hard to explain why. I mean, the, the Reese Davis and the robe and them handing out the helmet sticker stuff was like something I actually kind of looked forward to. But looking back on it now, like the actual characters that made up that show, it doesn't really make any sense. No. I, I think I, I pinpointed it a couple of years back, and I think it was because, and this might have just been the way that the, the TV operated at my house, but like Sunday morning, they never had a good college football recap. Like it always got pushed out of the sports center lineups for all of the NFL morning shows. And like, if I had to see the Mitch album and John Saunders rest in peace though, but like on the sports reporters coming up where it's like, no, I just want to see like what happened to Boise state last night or whatever, because I was a lot of times I was coming home from like LSU games that ended at 11 o'clock. So I would miss half of it. And then it's Sunday at two o'clock and it's like, shit, NFL has started and I haven't seen anything that happened yesterday. Yeah. It's if you miss college football final, you just missed college football recaps, which in retrospect, was and still is a glaring error on ESPN's part. It, it, it's <laughs> it's funny though, just kind of like the age that we're at right now, though, because you you had a period. Like I, I feel like we're uh, like phasing out a little bit of like the eight to ten year period where like 
college football final, we, we may not have consumed it because when we were younger growing up, it was like we'd watch games all day. And then obviously we're not doing shit at night because we're 14 or 15 years old. And the only thing to do is watch college football and avoid your parents until two in the morning. And then like 18 through whatever, 25 or whatever you want to drink and act like you can maybe talk to a woman one time or something. And, and so you're That's out. <laughs> chance. <laughs> so you're out until two in the morning and, and miss all of that, catch like West Coast games. And now we're kind of at the stage where it's like, now I want to drink from like noon to six, watch the football game and like be in bed watching football at 11 o'clock now. Yeah, the best part of your day is like I, I you y'all mentioned off the top, like what a weird place we're in. This was supposed to be the weekend. I was supposed to be a day after of probably, well, I guess, yeah, because we're, we're assuming in normal times, I guess this would have been the day after Ole Miss goes to Houston to play Baylor with that game being moved on Sunday and I give some strappies feel about like how I forgot how awesome it was just to enjoy games as like a fan in the pageantry of college football. But uh, instead, I got the consolation prize of watching the service academies this weekend, which not all bad, but I just did not figure this would be the, this way uh, nine months ago. Yeah, it, it did feel somewhat normal to watch Army uh, win time of possession 13 to two in the first quarter. And then go on a nineteen play touchdown drive later on in the game. It, it it felt it felt like you know like it belonged. Okay, so so here's my question. This is me. I have yet to turn on a single second of any sort of college football this year. Um, Rippy, you talked about this last week, but like from the perspective of the consumable product on television, is it like like acceptable? I guess. It's so it's it's interesting. So Saturday, I went to uh, dinner over in Frisco, or had the plan of going to dinner over in Frisco with my uh, like adult cousin and his wife. He's like really my dad's cousin, and he was in uh, the military. Like he went to West Point, like served for X amount of years or whatever, and got out. So obviously, he was real fired up about the Army game or whatever. And so we went to some place like right down the road from his house with one of his college friends. I guess they were served at the same time or whatever. And like watch that game, and it was one of those things where we just went over to see like them. I really wasn't thinking like college football Saturday at all. But then we just get to this place, and like it's not crowded at all, you know, twenty five percent capacity or whatever. And we start like drinking a couple beers, like ordering a little bit of food, and there's you know a college football game on your television screen, and like for a very brief moment, you're like, this actually kind of feels normal. And so from I guess a long way to answer it is. These smaller games, I, someone I didn't bring up this point, so I can't take credit for it. But like the Southern Miss game on Thursday night that I watched in my living room or whatever, those crowds aren't that much different than your normal Thursday night conference USA game, you know, even at like 30, yeah. 40% capacity or whatever. So it's going to be when we get these larger, more cavernous stadiums at, you know, Neyland Stadium at 25% capacity, it's probably going to be a lot weirder. weirder. But, like, the Army game was kind of cool. They had the cadets spaced out. Like, the rest of the stadium was pretty empty. But it was, like, loud enough not to feel that strange. And then the TV broadcast, everything else was pretty normal. Yeah, if you, you know, go to most schools, you know, outside of, you know, the the big three conferences, so, like, you know, the ACC, SEC, and, you know, Big Ten. That's right, KP. Uh, yes. Uh, Single them out. Fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> a, a, a lot of the nooner games that you'll see, they're just – and especially if it's like a non-conference matchup or it's like the fan base doesn't care. And if the game's at noon, like, you know, a lot of these games are earlier, it's – like you said, Rip, there's not much of a difference. If, unless you're paying that close of attention, 
you couldn't tell. Like I was watching SMU Texas State, and it felt like, yeah, that this sounds like an SMU at Texas State game, right. you know, on television. Well, so I guess I, I guess then my question, I guess my question is, is like, if you don't get, I, it's not that I don't give a shit about SMU because I think under normal circumstances. I don't know really what's going on. Like I'm wrestling between the morality of like, wow, I really shouldn't care about this, but also like this has been ingrained into my stupid fucking brain for 26 years. And so it's not like I can't pay attention. And also like, well, whether or not I watch or not, college football is going to be played. So I might as well not make myself fucking miserable and just sit here. But like there is like, it. it's not even that. And it's so, it, it's more like, I don't know how to put it, but I don't want to get invested, like emotionally invested into a football season that might not end up mattering that much. But I guess the more emotionally I get invested, the more it will matter. So it's kind of this weird, like chicken and the egg type thing of, I I, I don't really know how to approach this season as a fan, I guess is my biggest sticking point. It's like the lack of we, – we've talked about this the last week, and I think I brought up the fantasy football example, but the same thing with college football. And I'll give you another example that I really kind of learned about about an hour before we started recording. It's like like the preseason hype isn't there because there's so much just chaos going on in the world in general. Like, And you we, we went five months or whatever – I guess not five, four, three, whatever, however you want to count it up, months Six about four. We went a long period of time. So, like, when they come back, it just doesn't quite as feel as important. But I will say, throwing a little action on the troops or whatever kind of got me invested in that game or whatever. And so, like, I, I just wonder <laughs> once it gets here, like, maybe you'll kind of slowly wade back in. You just don't have the normal the normal buildup. But the other example is that is I just assumed all these conferences were starting September 26th. And I learned this morning from checking, a uh, like, a casino site. That actually the ACC is starting next weekend. I learned that an hour ago. So, yes. so that's that. I think is the thing that fucked me up the most because I was sitting in my bed at like nine o'clock on Saturday, and I, I I almost had like a little bit of a crisis in terms of I thought Clemson and I, I thought games were starting because I I saw someone sent me something in like a Twitter group of them doing game day, and I was like, oh shit! Like, is the ACC start? I was like. Did we make it to three hours before Notre Dame and like Clemson and Florida State are playing? <laughs> and I didn't even realize it at all. And, and I really had a point of I, I do understand that I, I've been grumpy and that's my brand and I love leaning into just being a miserable fucking sack of shit. But but there was a point of like, this is kind of my job to pay attention and know what's going on. So I, I did have a little bit of a crisis in terms of thinking that uh, college football was was literally about to start in like an hour and a half. Yeah, I don't. You could have made a lot of money by like back in February or January betting on the first college game day of twenty twenty, being Wake Forest. Wake Forest. I, I think they're like thirty <laughs> point dogs. Yeah, home dogs, man. You got home dogs. Ride the home dogs. You got to lay it on them. The college game day last week was uh, last week. It was just cruel because I flipped it on because I knew there were a couple games, but I thought it was pretty much just the service academies and like one or two others. But them having like a college game day show, I didn't even see it until I saw Kirk Herbstreit's uh, clip that went viral on everything that's been happening in the country or whatever. Like, and I was like, "Oh shit, game day's on today!" Like, is this an actual college football Saturday? And then I had to like double check my phone. I was like, "No, there's only three games." 
But like, it was almost like this like sick joke. I was like, why is game day on? Like, I thought this was starting at the end of the month, and it confused the hell out of me. You, you know what's a sick joke was uh, Kirk Herbstreet taking the tearjerker segment away from Tom Rinaldi. I was not <laughs> prepared to uh, get misty-eyed from someone that wasn't named Tom with some somber tones to leading me into that it. That was a hostile takeover 14 years in the making. Yes, that, that, <laughs> that, that was one that, that's like pulling uh, the, the psychological manipulation on people you live with by uh, switching where the forks and the knives go in the in the drawers right there. Uh, you, you have to build it up over like a decade, but when you perform the switch, it's extremely effective. Yeah, I mean, it was like almost stolen valor. I kept waiting. So obviously, <laughs> but like I kept waiting for the camera to pan out and Rinaldi to be in another chair about five feet away from Herb Street and going, now, how do you really feel? Yeah, because because you can tell the producers and, and it, is it... Uh, Okay, th- this is going to sound bad. Is it Reese or Fowler? Which which one is the current host? It's Reese. It's Reese. Okay, it's been a Reese for like four years. Okay. Now. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure it was. Uh, it was okay, Andrew. And we spoke about this before. It was always Fowler. Reese filled in one time. See, this is <laughs> this is where I got fucked up because I thought Re- I, I thought Reese. Like back in my childhood, something was ingrained into my head that Reese was the initial host, and then Fowler took over from like. Oh, three, like maybe something happened at 9-11 that I didn't know about or something, but like early 2000s, I felt like Fowler took over. And then until he decided to do whatever the U.S. Open or, or whatever other things that he had, Reese took back over again. But apparently Reese just filled in one time when I was like seven and that just calcified in my brain. Reese also hosted college basketball game day. Too. Yes, yes, that and that was. A, it just is that still exist? Yeah, it does. Who is it? Digger and no, Digger is long retired. Dead? Digger's dead. Okay, it, well, that's it, when I forgot. I think Jay Williams, Jay Billis, and okay. Seth Greenberg. I think I could be wrong. And they just that. scream about not paying players yeah. for sixty-five minutes, <laughs> yeah. spliced in with commercial breaks. Digger's yeah. been coasting off that win over UCLA. He hadn't come down. Look, if I ended an eighty-eight game win streak, I'd do the same thing. I can't, I can't blame the man at all. Yeah, no, not not whatsoever. He beat John Wooden. Like, you know, only like six guys have done that. It's, it, yeah. it's been strange because we're going to have a full slate of, like, this is the first red zone weekend this coming weekend. In six days, you're going to have seven hours of commercial-free football, and I just don't feel he really – we're going to have Deshaun – like a plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounded like you have Andrew Siciliano or whatever. Make, make sure to mention it's seven hours of commercial-free football. <laughs> that's, like a, that's a lot I love overusing. I yell it at my girlfriend all the time. She gets really pissed off about it. But, like, that's happening this week, and, like, I just don't feel prepared. I see now. That's that's a little part of the the uh, I guess weird with me because I have, I think it's just the way that I've been operating mentally with this entire thing. College football, I've waffled back and forth thirty seven times on whether it's happening, whether it's not happening, what we're doing. We're going conference only. They're canceling. In my mind, I've kind of just been like, for right or wrong, the NFL is too stupid to cancel this. Like they, they there is absolutely no way they're going to cancel it. So in my mind, the entire time I was like, yeah, NFL is going to go on as scheduled, which now as it is going on as scheduled, I seem to think that it is like the product is not unimpeded like college is. Well, one thing about the NFL is that obviously number one, they have a players union. Um, happy Labor Day, everybody. Uh, they do have a players union. But, you know, at the same time, I think they decided early on that they were going to have a season and they began putting plans and protocols in place 
and implement them. And it's, it's because they have a commissioner and that they all play by the same rules. Um, and like we said, and I don't mean to turn this into another COVID discussion, but I mean, the college administrators have waited until late July to be like, oh, d- damn, what are we going to do? Oh, damn, this shit, <laughs> this shit crazy. It's like, this is, dude, this virus is insane. How are we going to have a season? And the basically, you know, by the end of April, the NFL had started making those plans. Just I think that's the difference. It's almost like, and I have no way to know this is true, but it almost seems like you had some college administrators big. Well, the NFL's not making any headlines, so they must not be doing anything. It's like, no, they're actually working behind the scenes and just actually planning this out, whereas college football just kind of stood there with their dick in their hands. Where five, like, I would love to get the five conference commissioners together and just be like, can you take me through your daily schedule from March to May? Like, let's start on Monday, March, whatever, and go through the end of May. And I just want to know and, what and you can't yeah. tell me fundraising events. You you can't not. <laughs> Well, y'all, now, now the, you you talk down about Larry Scott right now, but he didn't make a partnership with Jay-Z to implement a COVID plan in place. I don't know if y'all knew, but that was actually why he was hired. <laughs> Hove was not there to act as a puppet for racial justice. He was, in fact, there to guide Anthony Fauci in the uh, playing of NFL football this season. <laughs> How about instead of coming up with the coronavirus plan, he's paying the LA Times for positive coverage about the conference? Like, look, Larry Scott is certainly a commissioner of a conference. Um, but, I don't think you can confidently say that. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I can't find the tweet now. But it was like every conference and yearly, you know, lodging fees to wherever they're headquartered. I think you know every other comp of the Power Five, the SEC is the most expensive. I think they pay three or four hundred thousand dollars per year. Um, to like house their offices. And the Pac-12 is like at $1.3 million to operate out of downtown San Francisco. Yeah, no, they want it. <laughs> it really is funny when we talk about, when we talk about um, sort of the, the locality and all of our, co- we've talked about it with the COVID discussion, but like the reason it's so uh, affecting these Oxford and, and Starkville and Athens type places is because the entire world, like the, the, the heartbeat of this town beats as the college football thing goes. And so you go into San Francisco and you ask any person to name one college football player. I mean, you might be at a 20% hit rate with people that can name the Joe Burrow in college football of any particular season. And so just spending an extraordinary, extraordinary amount of money to supposedly give yourself the appeal of being in a place where no one – no one there likes you, and everyone else you're trying to appeal to hates that place. Like, the FCC offices are in Hoover. <laughs> and to build on top of the, your point, even if someone in San Francisco wanted to be like, you know what, I'm going to get into college football this year as a hobby. Fuck golf, fuck tennis, fuck whatever I do on the West Coast. I would like to get into college football this year. Show me one person that can find the Pac-12 network off the top of their head, and I will show you a liar. Not one. Not one. Not a soul. The, the SEC is, by the way, SEC headquarters are actually in Birmingham. But oh, they, okay. But they have media days media in Hoover days. because it's cheaper. Because they hate me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, no shade to Birmingham. Shout out to the 205 and all my Birmingham natives listening. But the SEC, like, literally breathes money. They piss money when in their sleep. And they're headquartered out of Birmingham, Alabama. If your product is good enough, you can make this work anywhere. But Larry Scott wanted – his legacy is putting the Pac-12 in debt 
so that they can headquarter quote, quote unquote close to Silicon Valley just for no one to watch their games. But one, they own their own IP. And two, I like how KP said, shout out 205, all my homies there. Yeah, the the SEC is headquartered in a shithole. You can literally do it anywhere, <laughs> even Birmingham. <laughs> I was, uh, I was texting back and forth with one of my buddies that covers uh, a major league baseball or whatever. And I was like, because my apartment now is technically in Arlington. And I was like, hey, man, if you ever want to grab a couple beers or whatever, like I live in Arlington now with, with when they come through uh, Texas. And he was like, that's good news because Arlington's one of the shittiest cities we go to. And I was like, well, yeah, it's in between two cool cities, and it just seems like a bigger Hoover. It's a lot of stuff. It's just a lot of chain strip mall stuff. Like well, nice new buildings that have Olive Gardens and Ruby Tuesdays and like fucking biscuit bars and just <laughs> stuff. There's yeah, a it's, ton of it. It's like Arlington's a huge Hoover. It's nothing but stucco and parking lots. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Arlington is fine. Hoover is fine. What I'm saying is, you can put a conference office there and make money. Yeah, Sandy, <laughs> Sandy Springs. Don't think you're flying under the fucking radar. We see, we see your suburban hellscape out there. Big ups to Dunwoody. Yeah, we see, <laughs> we see you. The actually speaking of headquarters, something I didn't realize going, I, I must have been going to a Pelicans game a while back. The Sun Belt headquarters is like a rock's throw from the Superdome. Yes, it, it very much so. Like, like <laughs> I, I had absolutely no idea, which is awesome because. I mean, Lafayette is by no means close to close to New Orleans. I mean, it is in terms of if you're talking about the whole conference, but like it's not close. Uh, Monroe, not close at all. You can tell it's just a bunch of people in small cities throughout the throughout the South saying, "Fuck this, we're going to New Orleans whenever we can." Yeah, it, it, it's basically saying like, "Oh, you know, what's a good city that won't like you know have us over a barrel trying to pay rent there." Oh, New Orleans is cool. Is it in the footprint? Yeah, sure. All right, pull the trigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how easy this was. Yeah, we don't need fucking Mobile, Alabama. Hey, hey. <laughs> you apologize to the Deke chapter at Alabama right now, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> In fact, Mobile invented Mardi Gras. People don't talk about that a lot. When no, yeah, yeah. Cer- certainly people from Mobile. They don't remind <laughs> Every year, I'm going to set up on fire. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you know that this thing that is less notable and less cool and less fun here? It started here. <laughs> yeah. No. Fuck that. Get out of here. The uh, I I I will say though, um, I am interested to see how the sprawling nature, I guess, I'll put it, of college football this year, because from a like. An actual consumption perspective, it's this year's college football season is going to feel weird because we all know this. You hit a saturation point on Saturdays. Like, you can't, like, I think the most football you can realistically consume is like two TVs at one time and then like a three o'clock game or like a noon game, a three o'clock game, and a seven o'clock game. Like, you can't really pay attention to six or seven games in a day. And so now that you're going to essentially have college football starting, at the end of August and probably going all the way through December, if the big 10 figures this out, maybe all the way through January, like we're about to have like 20 weeks of college football and they're all going to feel like normal college football weeks because you're still going to have games that you can't even watch in that day. Like it's going to be weird. 
It is going to be strange. And then the, what that sad part is, is if we actually get through this thing successfully, the anticipation for Maction in late October and November just to be robbed of that is going to be a tough one. Oh, God. I, I enjoy nothing more than, you know, late October, especially when I was in school, getting home from the library or whatever. It's like 730 or whatever. It's Tuesday, and I just instinctively put on ESPN. And then there's Ohio playing against Western. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to check for four minimum Buffalo, Eastern Michigan, and just be just as upset every time. Yeah. And it's just like 40 to 28 at the end of the third quarter. And it's just like, God, defensive struggle we got here. I was about to say, I I want to see Garrett Wolf rushing for 275 yards in the first half. (laughs) Northern Illinois sensation. Yeah, oh, the I, I'm interested to see just as uh, I know Rippy's a basketball fan. I mean, KP and I probably college football and NBA are, are our one two. Um, but I'm very interested to see like we're going to have the NBA finals on like week seven of college football, and I'm <laughs> I'm very interested to see how the mixing of all of these sports happens because I know everyone generally takes their their priority sport the most seriously, but. These are melding of schedule from a sports perspective, like pure schedule wise. We're going to be fucked up schedule wise, maybe indefinitely with the like with the NBA having to start next season on Christmas or January 1st at the absolute earliest. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Like obviously that's some of the permanent change coming out of this, right? I've really enjoyed the NBA. I've enjoyed the bubble. Like it's been a lot of fun to kind of have the consistency of minimum two games a night. And they've been great playoff games, and you've seen incredible performances. But like, what? How? How curious? Like, how plugged in am I going to be when the stakes get higher? But it's late September and October. Like, is it going to get the baseball treatment, or how is that going to work going up against the NFL and college football? It's like, am I going to watch? You know, do I have the mental capacity to watch? You know, a Western Conference Finals Game Six between the Lakers and Clippers. And then go watch Georgia versus Alabama. I, I can't do that in one day. I, I can't because because it, it it was at the point earlier where it's like, all right, I, I'm just not going to watch like the Warriors Rockets game on a Saturday night in November because footballs like I I would always pay attention to the NBA, but I'd be lying to say that like the 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 way that I pay attention to the NBA in January is the same I pay attention in November or, or at least in normal years. And so now that it's going to be and especially a product like the NBA, which is so predicated on the offseason now, like it was cool because they got to dominate the summer. Like I remember exactly where I was when I when I saw that Kawhi ended up announcing and he and Paul George were going like there are a lot of things in the summer related to NBA free agency where I was like oh shit I remember exactly where I was when that happened because it was a big deal and now it's like all right well it's going to happen in week 11 of the football season it doesn't have the entirety of like a random July it's competing against the hot dog eating contest right now and so yeah like what happens if Giannis gets traded you know two hours before Alabama LSU this year yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that would be insanity. I just throw my phone into the nearest body of water. Just <laughs> I, I can't do it. I won't be able to do it. I'll say this: I saw some pictures from Sanford. They're doing the seventy-five or not seventy-five, the twenty-five percent thing, and I, it looks like it sounds dumb, but like 
people are tall enough to where it's not going to like everyone's not six eight, Andrew. No, I understand this, but but whenever we think about twenty five percent capacity crowds, it's always from the sense that it's like so. Let's say there's an eighty thousand person. I'm thinking of the Superdome normally, just because that's kind of the only stadium I have, or maybe maybe like a Sanford Spring game, but it's typically like. 80% of the people are in like all of the good seats and then it's just empty everywhere else. So it looks empty, but like these games now, because they, they, they did the perm, like the little permanent seat backs where in like mm-hmm. sets of four. And so they're spread out everywhere. And so like, it looked, it, it doesn't look like your normal, like 20,000 person game in a big stadium because of where they force you to sit. And so I don't know if that changes the way noise is dispersed. I don't know what it does, but like it did look more normal than I would have anticipated. Are they like pulling a Jaguar? You see see that? Yeah. Like I'm showing KP right now, but like I was going to ask if they were going to pull a Jaguar. You can't see if they were going to pull the Jaguars and like put tarp on the upper deck, but uh, no, it looks like it looks pretty socially distanced. And look, I don't I still don't know the viability of this, but it looks like they're doing their best and it doesn't seem like the worst strategy. I mean, I'm probably asking a question that no one knows the answer to, but NFL wise, are all of these stadiums allowing some fans or are most of them going no fans? I actually don't really have really no idea what the NFL stadium capacity is. Literally no like so I think this is a state decision. Like I, I I'm almost positive it's not an NFL decision because I know the Chiefs the only ones I've seen, I saw the Chiefs said they were, I think were at 25%. And I know the Saints said there were no fans for the first game. And so I think these motherfuckers are, are flying by the seat of their pants in the, we are going to play a 50% or full capacity game as quick as we want. But the people to ask about this would be NFL season ticket holders, because those are the ones where I, I, I have absolutely no idea how you – like this, all the tickets obviously up to this point are paid for. So how, how do you do like, if you aren't canceling them whole scale, you don't have like donation and priority clubs. I don't think for a lot of the NFL stadiums. So yeah. how do you prioritize who ends up going? And yeah. if you cancel a game, do you refund the tickets? What do you end up doing? Uh, obviously college NFL are, you know, apples and tangerines when you're comparing, you know, the fan bases and season ticket holders. But I do know a lot of colleges are saying, look, you can just give up your season tickets for this year. Um, you know, we'll, you can either just like say, okay, sunk cost, and then you, they will be automatically renewed for next year for no increase, or we can refund you, but there is no guarantee you'll have yours for next year. I think that's what Florida State did, if Bunch I'm not of, mistaken. Bunch of it losers. is terrible. But in the NFL, it's, you know, we all know the Washington Redskins season ticket list was like, you know, kind of a fraud. But those lists, those wait lists are very, very long. So I imagine that a lot of season ticket holders, they, you know, they didn't return their tickets. They just kept them or whatever. And they just ate the cost. Because if you get off of a season ticket list in the NFL, it's going to take you, you know, for a premier franchise. So, and one that has lots of fans. So teams like the Packers, teams like the Steelers, you know, the Cowboys. It's it, you'll never get season tickets again if you haven't been give them up right now. Yeah, that sucks so much shit. You'll never, you'll never get them again because except for the Cowboys, most of those stadiums do not get over like seventy two, seventy three thousand. No, I mean the Superdome, as big as it looks, is I think seventy two. Yeah, 
Yeah, and like you know, though it's all it's going to be interesting too. Like what place in the NFL expands capacity like the quickest and the most? Because you know, like particularly where I live, like if you ask Jerry Jones if it were just completely up to him, they'd probably have sixty five thousand people there tomorrow. If if it were up to Jerry Jones, they would play at Texas Motor Speedway tomorrow to see if they could double capacity. <laughs> And have a crane out of Jerry World and just have a crane hanging over the uh, speedway just for a week. Yeah, that, <laughs> live in a dangling RV. <laughs> Man, Jerry Jones getting sucked off at seventeen hundred feet. Isn't that the life? Isn't that the life? Yeah, the uh, I, I'm I'm very interested to see how like. He seems to be keeping it together right now, but you have to know his health like continue. He he sees the end of the clock, but as health really starts to decline, he's going to get real reckless with what he starts to do. Oh no! Look, when Demarcus Lawrence takes a knee in the first game, oh, his, yeah. his head's going to explode. <laughs> yeah. The uh, now that's something I guess we haven't talked about. Uh, are we going to have any? We we got to have some kneeling that's just going to piss off some septuagenarians well didn't uh the south alabama team kneel or i forgot some team knelt uh and they took a delay of game penalty um for kneeling like you know before the first play of the game uh and people on twitter just like you know melted (laughs) no way no way (laughs) i'm stunned yeah, I was about to say you you you're talking about uh, middle managers in Decatur, <laughs> Alabama, not having the most progressive views on unpaid labor. I just assumed it was all inevitable this year. Like I, I like it, it'll be very. Was that 2017 where it really ramp, ramped up widespread? I think wait, was the season I thought was the first year, right? Kaepernick started in 16, but 17 was the year like. Oh, that's a Mike Pence year. Yeah, that was the year people recognized Kaepernick had been doing it. And then, like, that was when the controversy started, quote-unquote. I assumed it would look more like that just in terms of it being widespread. I just figured we'd revisit that again, and then you're going to have some explosive tweets from the president, and it's just going to be that whole dog and pony show all over again. Speaking of um, people getting pissed off at kneeling, uh, I want both of you guys to guess how old Jerry Jones is. So. I think I got this wrong a while back because something – for some reason I thought he was like 89 years old, and and I don't think that's true. I think he's in his 70s. He played at Arkansas way back when. I'm going at least 75. I need a, I need a, I need I'm going to say 77. Number. I'll go 76. Andrew hit it right on the head. Yes, baby. Gerald Wayne Jones is 77 years old. Gerald or Gerald? Gerald. No fucking way. J-E-R-R-A-L. That Gerald Jones playing at the University of Arkansas in 1960. That's That fucking rules. Offensive lineman Jerry Jones. Yeah, 5'9", buck 75. <laughs> All SEC O-lineman. All Southwest Conference. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, to your point, he does seem older. Like honestly, if I hadn't have, like if I hadn't have really thought about, because I watched something on him a while back on like his Arkansas shit, I would have guessed if I didn't know who he was and watched a clip of him, I would have guessed eighty five. <laughs> he really he exudes like ninety year old energy. Owning though. the Cowboys as long as you have will do that to you. Yeah, no, that's very true. You really have to uh, of the people like of the people. Uh, Messiah complexes get talked about with quarterbacks a lot, but in sports, like Messiah complex figures, Jerry Jones has to be Mount Rushmore of that list. Yeah, absolutely. Number one, I, 
I can't think of a more famous owner. I mean, just even in the NBA, you have your, you know, big hotshot owners like Dan Gilbert Dolan. and Jim. Yeah, but it's like you, you JD can, and the straight shots, baby. You can really only name probably if you tried your hardest, ten or eleven of the thirty NBA owners. But when you think pro sports team owners, Jerry Jones is the first one on everyone's mind. Yeah, Al, I mean, I guess Al Davis was up there uh, back yeah, when, but maybe. And you have your whatever your Stephen Ross is, but yeah, no. The in we, terms of like, we know who Stephen Ross is because we're brain poisoned. Yeah, that's but- that, yeah, <laughs> brain cancer is the reason for that. But yeah, the who are and now we KP and I were talking about ranking something. I, I think an interesting thing would be like. And this this ties in because um, you saw – did y'all see Kirk Cousins' interview? I want to say it was with um, – I want to say it was on one of the Ringer podcasts. Um, if I die, I die? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I die, I die, which, I mean – He said masks don't work. Like, yeah, <laughs> extre- I mean, like extreme – and, again, this is – we've talked about the uh, right-wing religious death cult that has taken – I mean, that is – really, really taken root in America. I mean, maybe not taken root, but uh, has uh, brought themselves to the forefront ever so. But he really, I think, uh, Breeze is the same way. I mean, uh, uh, any quarterbacks are the same way. I mean, Tom Brady thinks he's immune from fucking concussions. He's been having his dick suck so long. And so I'm interested. Wait, what? I just said with Brady, the concussion thing is because of the kale pajamas. Yeah, they, that and kissing your kids on the mouth, both of those things will make you live forever. Exactly. Um, I'm all right. Who are most Who are most God complexed uh, NFL or, or I guess just sports figures? Um, Any in college football? In terms of the actual God complex, no. I I think Nick Saban had. It's not a God complex, but it's like a not even King Herod because King Herod wasn't in tune with his subjects. Uh, He's got really a big St. Peter complex. See, Nick, <laughs> Nick Saban is ty- was one of those type of guys that, that would almost be like, the most effective form of a government is a benevolent dictatorship. And uh, I have given you no reason to think otherwise in the last 15 years. <laughs> so if there's actual real God complexes, I, college football doesn't really lend itself to that unless you coach a place literally 30 years. Or your T Boone Pickens. But I think college basketball is more so than that. I mean, I think Mike Krzyzewski, one thousand percent is the biggest God complex sports figure in college. Yeah, he's he's I mean, like, he does the he he fakes fakes the injury every time his team's playing bad. He denies that he dyes his hair. I mean, yeah, yeah. he does. Coach he, Coach K is good for one random lower back injury every January when Duke loses by thirteen at Virginia Tech. And who's yeah? Kid, he's also just like that guy gets more of a pass than anyone in American sports. Who is a kid a couple years ago? They're playing like Oregon or someone in an NCAA tournament game, and Coach K said like some off-putting comment to him on the court where you could see very much through the cameras is exactly what he said, and then he just went in the press conference afterward as they're playing a side by side of him mouthing exactly what he said and said, "I didn't say that." And it's like, come on, man! Like, do you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember what it was. And like I was, I was a Duke basketball fan for a very long time. So, you know, over the last few years, realizing Coach K is just—I'm not going to call him a piece of shit because that guy's been through some stuff. I will. He's a piece of shit. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's been through some stuff. Um, but 
realizing he's not who I thought he was has been just like a really big wake up call in the last you know four or five years. There was something, and I think this is different from what Rippy said, but like they got beat by some team that they had no business beating. And I remember he like went into the locker room and like went into their locker room unannounced and like started talking to the talking to their team about like how they re- like they really gutted it out and played and, and it was it, it just came it came off as extremely patronizing from like the y'all are the little guys who had no business doing this but you did it and beat us and it was yeah. like motherfucker we just beat you shut well, up and leave yeah like, that that so look here's the thing you're completely right Andrew 100 yeah. I want to make sure that's clear but I don't know man if you're a freshman on that team that maybe didn't play that much and Coach K comes into your locker room after you beat him, that's cool to that person. Overall, big picture, no, that sucks. You should never, ever do that. If someone beats you, leave them alone. They, they earn that. Yeah, it, it, but- <laughs> just, it, it seemed – I'll say this. I, I get where you're coming. It, it seemed very much like I am going to make y'all's win about – like it It yeah. was very much like we lost this game, y'all didn't beat us, and congratulate. like here's your cookie for that. But, again, that – Comes with being a messiah complex yeah. in sports. Um, and look, the guy's what—he's the all-time winningest coach. He's won five natties. Like he's—he's he's earned a little bit of this, not all of it. No, no, not nowhere near all of it, but a little bit of it. Yeah. I—I I, I offhandedly mentioned T. Boone Pickens, but the funniest part about like college football is, in terms of messiah complexes, you talk about like these almost like immovable figures. I mean, your Tom Brady's, your Drew Brees's, where you—you've spent a lot of time, not necessarily in one place, but just like success after success after success to where, again, you just generally become impervious to the whims and the the tribulations of the regular world. But it's funny in college football because one, the state, like in, you never have that figure from athletes because they turn over so quickly. It's hard to have it with coaches because if you win 75% of your games, you're considered a failure. And so like the, where they come in is almost like these booster types. Like you have these people that have been influential in these large communities because you, you kind of just talk about people that like move around with impunity. They do whatever they want. They basically own the places for, for what it's worth. And so it's interesting that like a lot of these places, the King Dick that, that, that swings around is people that the average person probably has never heard of. Yeah, exactly. The, what one of the bigger golf complexes in college football uh, is Bobby Louder, and he's just an yeah. and he's just yeah. a, and he's just an Auburn booster that got Tommy Tuberville and Terry Bowden their jobs. That's you know, <laughs> and you know the average human being, like the average person, has heard of Jerry Jones. The average person, like just in America, has heard of Mike Krzyzewski. The average, like normal American human of sound mind and body, will never know who Bobby Louder is. No, ever. No, no. And he's the reason for like probably at least like forty percent of Auburn's wins over the last two decades. Um, the the initial the initial uh, thought of this show was so we have been slightly drinking. Um, KP is on Moscow Mules. I'm on a little Kahlua and coffee. Uh, Rippy is on Craft Coors Light. Um, but, but, <laughs> the finest. Um, but the initial reason was um, we decided that. If college football is going to be just uh, unnaturally drunk this year, then we might as well be too. And so that leads us into a little bit of KP. I, I know we have talked about the tailgate, but I think we might get it fired up this week. Yes. So uh, the Banjo CFB tailgate, for everyone still listening, 
Um, this will also be timestamped um, in the description. Hopefully, K- KB, Andrew, have you read? We haven't had one ad read in ten episodes. Do you think we're doing fucking timestamps? Can you timestamp just as one thing? No. Just also, uh, go to betonline.ag. This is our ad read. I don't have the copy in front of me. Uh, but what are they going to do? Also, go to me? also go to Manscaped. Yeah, they're, keep, Man- they're keeping me icy as hell. Manscaped promo code armchair. I'll send this into them. Um, but yeah, we're doing banjo tailgate. Um, this weekend, starting at 9 a.m. Central, because that aligns with game day. Correct? Yes, yes, 9 a.m. Oh, let's let's do the let's go 10 a.m. Central. We'll this, give people some time to filter in. And this is live planning, everyone. Yeah, this we, is live. Planning. We did not discuss this. Um, when do games start? Actually, when are they? So 11 Central time, I probably. Okay, so we'll let's do 10. We'll do 10 Central. We'll go for an hour. We'll shoot the shit. We'll allow me to get drunk and angry over George's previous failures. Uh, we'll figure something out. Yeah, so uh, it will be first come, first served. Uh, we, we will not have a Zoom with, you know, I, I doubt 100 people would want to, but we don't want a super chaotic Zoom, but we do want to just talk about college football with you since this is, you know, at its core, a college football podcast. Fuck that. <laughs> um, but we do want to talk with you. We do want to tailgate with you since tailgating has pretty much been banned nationwide this year. Uh, so... Be on the lookout for Zoom call details. There will be uh, a very public uh, meeting ID and password. Uh, I know a lot of you are tired of Zoom during the week, and we get that. Um, so why don't you just get drunk with us during the day on Zoom? I think that'll be the best option. I vow to play the role of the 19-year-old Rushy at his first game that passes out for kickoff. I'll make that happen next week. Yeah, you, know, you can do that. Be whoever you want to be. Rip has already called that. You know. <laughs> You could be the random 53-year-old. You're someone's uncle, but no one knows how you're related to anybody else at a tailgate. But you have a lot of free alcohol and tickets to give out to people. You know, <laughs> I promise to not discuss one thing schematically about college football and not to put on a real pair of pants before the call is over. Hey, thank you. you know, yeah, there we go. It's just, you know, be your truest college football self. That's what we've been this whole podcast so far, and that's what we want you to be during the Banjo tailgate. Uh, before we leave, gentlemen, I did want to talk about our favorite chaos teams in college football history. Um, I have one that's – I think it's the perfect summation of chaos team. I think we should uh, each take one so, – so I think we should do this. We should each take one chaos team that we remember from our individual schools and then KP is the one you're thinking of, one of those schools. Um, the one I was thinking of is not my alma mater. Okay, but so I do have a good chaos team from my year. Okay, so KP, you lead with that one, and then we'll all think of uh, ones from our, our university. Okay, so I'm leading off with you know the original chaos team, 2015 Indiana. Um, for those that don't know, this team started out four and zero, which included a win over Wake Forest, the Power Five team. Um, and All right, I mean, went, on. went on, okay, technically, by definition, after starting 4-0, 2015 Indiana went on to lose six consecutive games, included in those six games a seven-point loss at home to number one Ohio State, a three-point loss at home to Rutgers, um, an eight-point loss at home to a top-ten Iowa team, and a double-overtime home loss to number 15 Michigan. This team went on to win their last two games by scores of 47-28 and 54-36, respectively, against Maryland and Purdue, 
and they went on to lose in the bowl game to Duke 44-41. I, I really think this is the most chaotic of chaos teams possible. They set the standard, and I truly believe every chaos team after that has been chasing 2015 IU. Yeah, the uh... – so I grew up in Baton Rouge, and I, I think the one of the standard bearers for chaos teams is that 07 LSU team, um, the only the only two loss national champion ever. <laughs> um, just absolute <laughs> fucking lunacy. What but I, I would say, since I've been a Georgia fan, um, the the 2014 Georgia team was a pretty solid pretty solid chaos team because they started off beating the shit out of. Um, Clemson, that was Deshaun Watson's first game where they decided to play Colt Stout I- instead of him. Um, they went on, I think they were number two after after that week one, went to South Carolina and lost to a South Carolina, I think like a five and six South Carolina team. Seven and six. Set, all right, put, some res- yeah, put some respect on <laughs> They Dylan, won the Independence Bowl that year. Put on, some respect on On Dylan Andrew. Thompson's name. Um, but then they ended up, uh, they ended up the season 10 and three with nothing but a loss to that South Carolina team, then a loss to Treon Harris in Florida, where I think they completed one pass. Um, and then they were they were ten and two going into the last week of the season, and they lost to a Georgia Tech team that ended up winning the Orange Bowl. All in this, they lost the East to Missouri, who they beat in Columbia thirty four to nothing. So it's a season that made absolutely no sense. Uh, Todd Gurley um, got suspended and then came back against Auburn and tore his ACL when he got when he came back. Nick Chubb rushed for sixteen hundred yards in eight games, like just a truly absurd. And then the year after that, Georgia became the only ten win team in Power Five history to end the season unranked. So just a good end of the Rick era. Literally the worst. 10 win team of Literally all time. Literally the worst 10 win team of all time. <laughs> I've got a couple that I'll, couple honorable mentions, and then my actual selection is not an Ole Miss one. So 2015 Ole Miss beat Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State and lost the West with mm-hmm. loss to Arkansas, Florida. What, what are the four games you need to win to win the West? I mean, you could argue they won the four games that would pretty much guarantee you the West. And yeah. Then- yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not just like the four you have to win to win it. They won the four that it, there's no it would feel like there's no mathematical way to lose it on first glance. I would say the next year, 2016 Ole Miss, if you remember this team, Chad Kelly, a lot of the defense left off of the 2014-2015 squads that are pretty good, but they got up 28-6 to on Florida State and Orlando, and that was my year as like the student reporter, as like a senior, like I was covering football. Like, I was at halftime of that game trying to think of the title of the national championship book that I was going to make money on. <laughs> and then so, they – AJ Brown literally looked like Laquan Treadwell had just stayed in, at Ole Miss. It, <laughs> was just, it was unbelievable. They lose that game. Two weeks later, they get up 24-3 to on Alabama after a win over Wofford, where they lost DK Metcalf, but they get up 24-3 to on Alabama, lose that 48-44 Beat the living dog shit out of what ended up being at least a respectable Georgia team the next week. Uh, that was the infamous weekend that Andrew and I have had. That uh, it was not a respectable we, Georgia team. It was not a respectable <laughs> Georgia team. And it was not. I don't know what happened. Was that Kirby's first year? That was Kirby's first year. They, they it was. I think it was forty-five nothing at halftime. It was I, a lot to a little. I, I, I remember thinking they could have scored eight. That they, they literally could have scored eighty. 
I, Scott Van Pelt was just starting his own show, and I remember getting home later that night and him calling Ole Miss the best two and two team in the country. And I spent a week trying to figure out what exactly that meant. But that team, by the end of the year, eked out a 37 27 victory over Georgia Southern. Chad Kelly tears his meniscus or ACL or whatever. Shea Patterson comes in and leads a miracle win against AM the next week. Yeah, I remember that. that. Holy shit. It was what, 29 28 or something like that? Yes. After being down 17 in the fourth quarter, only to lose by three touchdowns to Vanderbilt and then by 35 to a five, four and seven Mississippi State team. So that team just made no sense. That I team have, let Dead Mullins smoke a cigar in their stadium. Yes, as they went and played Miami of Ohio in the trop as a five-win bowl team because of their APR score. <laughs> then my, my other one, and I don't know why this sticks out to me so much, 2012 Louisiana Monroe. And yes. You yes. don't remember this. If that doesn't you know, that system. This team beat Arkansas in the season opener 34-31 held a fourth-quarter lead at Auburn the next week, lost 31-28. They were, they were almost SEC West champs. Yeah. <laughs> they, played, they played an 8-5 and five Baylor team in Monroe and oh, lost 7-42. But <laughs> three weeks later, lost by 22 points to UL Lafayette and 23 to a Hugh Friesless Arkansas State team. And then got by 35 in a bowl game to Ohio. By the way, Rippy, um, as two Baton Rouge natives, we want to say we appreciate you calling them UL Lafayette because uh, that is what they will always be. That they will ne- the University of Louisiana get the fuck out yeah, of I think one of their SIDs emailed our school paper one time chastising us about that. And I think I said Lafayette in the reply email. That's like that's like someone who's like thirty four years old, and you're like, uh, no, I go by Jeffrey, not Jeff. Now it's like, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> no, this is that's not how this works. Like you, you have you have passed the time where you get to change your name. If you want to start a new school and start as a University of Louisiana, but okay. So speaking of just absurd college football facts that I saw over this weekend, um, did you know that this century? Both UAB and Troy have beaten LSU in Tiger Stadium, but Auburn has not. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's funny about all – I truly don't think Auburn's ever going to win in Tiger Stadium ever again. And it's because there's a curse. So yep. I think in, in 99 – In 99, yep. In 99, Auburn beat LSU in Tiger Stadium. And I think after the game, players came out on the field and smoked a cigar on the field, which, you know, sometimes you do that – at I feel like Auburn LSU isn't really a cigar kind of game, but whatever. They won the game. They did it. Whatever. And then in 01, so, oh, so to, to, to oh, jump in here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, do you have this? Well, I, the game got postponed because of 9-11, right? Yes. Yeah, correct. And then, so it got postponed because of 9-11. And then, so it was the end of the year for the West. Yes. And <laughs> Auburn, it was in Baton Rouge, and Auburn came out and stomped on the tiger eye before the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then LSU ended up winning, and Auburn has not won in Tiger yeah, Stadium. And LSU smoked cigars after that game, correct? correct. Very very publicly, yes. And it's I mean, that was 19 years ago. Yeah. Auburn still hasn't won in Tiger Stadium yep. since. So what we're trying to tell you here is we're not not saying Tommy Tuberville had something to do with 9/11. Every traditional West school, and I'm not counting AM in this because they haven't been in the West long enough. Every other team in the West has won in Tiger Stadium in that time frame. Mississippi State has, you know, Arkansas has, 
but Auburn has not won in Tiger Stadium this millennium. And this is also, I mean, th- growing up, growing up a uh, an an LSU fan, and then going to uh, to uh, Georgia. Um, Georgia has dominated Auburn recently as well. Like it, it, it's kind of crazy how like Georgia's the, won like what eight out of eleven or something like that. I mean, that? I'm gonna check since let's see. Uh, this is now turned into an anti-Auburn podcast. It, I mean, it really always has been an anti-Auburn <laughs> podcast, but we're finally sort of just getting it out. Let's see. One, two, three. Uh, let's see. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Georgia is 12 and three since Auburn at, uh, against Auburn since 05. <laughs> Good. That's, like, that's bad. Auburn, that's fucking bad, dude. Get your shit together. <laughs> Twelve and three against a rival that's not Bama. What? It's not against us. Like Gus is a four or five loss coach minus like one year, basically. Even the second year they made the SEC title game. Did they end up with four losses? Yeah, I mean Auburn. Auburn is the single drunkest team in the history of college football. Think, and it's crazy how like chaotic they remain. I mean, I think, 13- Auburn, I think Auburn was twelve and two in Gus year one, and they've lost at least four games every year since in one way or another. But the problem is the, like I'm telling you, he like he finds equilibrium every single time because right when he's about to get fired, Georgia or Bama comes on the schedule and he manages to beat him. Like Like, last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that 17, that 17 run where he beat Georgia Bama back to back, I think gained him. And they're both number one. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit of leeway, but I mean, then he lost the same Georgia team by three touchdowns a month later. And then lost the UCF. Yeah. All right. Bottom line, we just we are we are nearing in on the hour mark. Uh, I think we should close it up by just giving a resounding fuck you to Auburn, uh, that half of the state of Alabama. Uh, no one here seems to like you. Get out of your own state. Get out of your own way. Correct. Uh, very anti East Alabama podcast here. Uh, again, folks, thanks for listening. Details on that banjo tailgate will be coming up. Rip, you got anything to close us out with? No. See you Saturday. Perfect. I will all see you guys Saturday. Um, you know, be well. Happy Labor Day. Uh, support your local organizers. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Somebody find Larry Scott. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.